Mel Yummy Mummy Geriatric Mum? How the f*** did that happen? Hi, I'm Sally Wallace and welcome to my podcast, Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Why the name? Well, it's a label that I've been slapped with recently, so I've decided to embrace it. But don't worry, it's not all sore nips and stretch marks from here onwards. As a former radio presenter, public speaker, and someone who's a huge advocate of keeping banter alive, each week I'll be sharing life observations with a twist, random questions, subject matters that'll blow your mind, like, do we really eat spiders in our sleep? Am I the only woman who walks around with crystals in her bra? And... Why is it that my husband's clothes and socks are so much more comfortable than my own? All gripping stuff. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. Something has brought you here today, and I think it's because we're on the same vibration station. Thank you so much for having a listen. I really hope you enjoy it. Welcome. Welcome to part two of my journey to motherhood. Now, it has taken me a bit of a while to get my shit together to do this. Uh, and that's for a number of reasons. Um, firstly, actually, it's been um, Mother's Day this weekend in the UK. So it kind of felt poignant to do it again. And secondly, uh, I've probably been avoiding it a little bit because I knew this was going to be an emotional episode for me. And whilst I sat down and sort of got all my uh, kit together, got my microphone out, got my laptop ready, um, thought, right, okay, which angle shall I take it from? Not that I'm taking it from a fucking angle. It's not like I'm doing a professional show. But uh, thought, you know, I, I better sort of work out at what point did I do this in my journey and blah, blah, blah. I just burst into tears. So I'm not going to lie. I've been sat here for 10 minutes having a cry. <laughs> I feel fine. Honestly, I feel really fine. But I think on reflection, it just made me realise what a fucking massive journey I've been through to to have Roman, who is now three. And going back there, it's really emotional. It's really emotional. You know, I remember days when I would sit on the stairs just in tears, just thinking, God, am I ever going to be a mum? Am I ever going to be a mum? Which is just fucking heartbreaking. And it upsets me now. So I'm really sorry if I'm just going to burst into tears every now and again. But you know what? We're friends. Um, and... He was at nursery on Friday and oh, it's the best thing ever. I got a Mother's Day card and I'm not joking. I fucking bawled my eyes out. <laughs> I just bawled my eyes out. So Roman had made me a Mother's Day card. If you're on Instagram, I've posted it on Instagram. Um, he'd made me a Mother's Day card at uh, at nursery. Oh, I'm going to have to blow my nose. Hang on. God, how bad is that? I'm so sorry. Um yeah, he'd made me the most beautiful Mother's Day card at nursery. And I just remember looking at it and just thinking, oh my God, this is everything I'd always, always wanted. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I just want cards all the time. <laughs> but who doesn't? <laughs> but it's just like, wow, shit, I have come a long, we, we have come a really, really long way, a really long way. And we've got this little man in our lives who is just amazing. But to get him here was a hell of a struggle and I didn't talk about it to anybody. And that's why I set this podcast up because I just want to break down these taboos of infertility. And I want other women who have gone through IVF, gone through ICSI, gone through all the shit that I've gone through and maybe even more to feel that they can talk to other women about it. It's just about finding, it's about finding women on your vibration station, as I like to say. And I was chatting to my friend Justine about this just the other day, because statistically, I believe this is right, um, 
that it's actually now noted that it's one in eight couples that have infertility problems. Well, I actually call bullshit on that because I think it's more like one in three. And I genuinely believe that there is more and more cases of it nowadays, more than ever. Now, if you listen to the podcast that we did with Jackie on, and she's the acupuncturist, she even said the same. She's seeing it more and more so now than ever, which is why she's decided to specialise in fertility acupuncture. And I've got some fantastic guests that are going to be coming onto this podcast to talk about more stories about infertility. And these are professionals, not just my mates. And well, mind you, my friends are wonderful, but also other women that have got stories about their journeys, but also professionals that are helping women and men as well to achieve parenthood and it's definitely more like one in three than one in eight and you'll probably agree with me on that as well so look myself for example my two best mates h lives in devon matilde lives in the south of france um they've both got two kids each um both conceived really easily um and then i'm i'm the one who went through ivf so that's one in three straight away so it's yeah it's it's really really interesting Really interesting. Now, where was I up to at the end of my part one? So I'd gone for the hysteroscopy. Now, do you know what I'd like to actually add is when I did my part one to my journey to motherhood, that has been one of my first podcasts that I've had the most response from. So thank you so much to everybody who um, has messaged me. Uh, with support, really beautiful messages, actually, but also shared their own stories, um, which I was really blown away by. And thank you so much for opening up and, and, and being so honest as well, because there's a few things that I mentioned in that podcast. And one of them was the pill, which I was on the pill for 18 years. And I am 100% certain that that has had a long term effect on me. And when I mentioned that on my podcast, so many people reached out and said exactly the same, that they'd been on the pill for either having acne problems. I mean, who has ever, have you ever heard of Roacatin? That's a whole podcast in itself. Um, so you've got the pill, but think about it, the contraception that we have to take as women, the pill, the coil, the implant, the injection. If you've been on any of these or two of these, Either now or when you're taking it, in your head, you'll have been thinking, this is not doing me any good. Surely this can't be doing me any good. Because that's exactly what I think. And I thought at the time. And on reflection now, I actually do think, I think the pill did have a massive effect on me. And this is another, do you know, this is something else I've been meaning to mention. During my uh, sort of late 30s, this is when I was trying for just before I was about to start trying for kids, actually, um, I was going through a phase of having constant thrush, constant thrush and something which is called bacterial vaginosis. So it is vile. But at the same time, don't get me wrong, I'm not a dirty bitch. I'm very clean. And this is where there is a huge misunderstanding with thrush as well. However, I stopped taking the pill and wait for this, I thought, you know what, I'm going to stop using tampons. And I've never had a case of thrush since. And that's another thing. Tampons, the pill, you think about all these things that we are kind of encouraged to use as women to make our life more easier, cleaner, so we can go roller skating, swimming, uh, on holiday, you can wear a thong, all of these things that are all sort of pushed upon us to re to use and to make our lives better. And yet in the long run, they're actually making them shit. 
Now, don't get me wrong, you might message me and just think, oh, what a load of bullshit, Sally, I don't agree with you. That's fine, that's your opinion. This is my podcast, that's my opinion. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, from using tampons and taking the pill, I'm pretty certain that it didn't do my body any favours. Right, let me get back to the hysteroscopy. So I'd gone for the hysteroscopy and yeah, it was brutal. And there is a petition that you can sign now, actually. Um, for, for those of you who have been through one and will understand the pain, but there is a petition that you can sign which actually encourages uh, professionals to actually administer a local anaesthetic because so many women have either fainted, passed out, vomited or just felt excruciating pain whilst going through one, which is exactly what happened to me. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty brutal, pretty brutal. So I'd gone for the hysteroscopy. Um, I'd had blood tests. I found out that I had low AMH, not great FSH as well. So uh, I was a bit all over the place. And um, I'd then I'd, uh, at this point, that's right. I had to go for another smear test. I was constantly going for smear tests, had to go through another smear test. And then I was told that I had to go for an internal scan. So if you've been for an internal scan before, you'll be very familiar with the large plastic dildo, which they shove up your lady garden, which is even even more hilarious is the fact that they lube it up and put a condom on it. <laughs> Just in case, just in case you get pregnant, but you're there because you can't get pregnant <laughs> from a plastic dildo. Thank you for that. Yes, but it's, it's really uncomfortable. But you know what? They're checking the lining of your womb. They're checking your ovaries. And it's, yeah, it's just a little bit brutal. But quite frankly, if you're fortunate like I was, you'll get a really top girl who <laughs> looks after you and knows what she's looking for. Because have you ever looked at the screen? You're like, what the hell is that? How the hell do you know where things are? Oh, don't worry. I've got it. You know, and they're so calm. So yeah, I was really, really lucky actually. So at this point, um, we'd come back. Um, I think that this, where were we at now? So yeah, so I'd gone for the hysteroscopy and we'd got told we had layer AMH. This is two years now. It's taken two years to get to this point since I first went to an appointment where my doctor pointed at my crutch and went, I don't deal with that area. So we then got told that we would be referred to a fertility centre at the local hospital. Now, I had mentioned this to a couple of friends and I was advised to push to go to um, a place called the Hewitt Centre. Now, I live in the north of England and as an NHS customer, you can choose where you want to go. I didn't know that. I thought I just had to go to the place that they told me that they wanted me to go. So... I said, no, 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 I want to go to the Hewitt Centre, please. Now, the Hewitt Centre is part of Liverpool Women's. But I don't live, I didn't live anywhere near Liverpool, but they have a, like a little clinic near Nutsford, which is in Cheshire. And that wasn't too far away from me. So I pushed and pushed and pushed to get into this clinic and to make sure that I could get transferred from one of the Manchester hospitals to this clinic. It took six months to get us transferred to the Hewitt Centre. But I'm so glad that I pushed and pushed to get there because obviously now on reflection, we have Roman. Um, but it wasn't easy. So if you're in a position at the moment where you're not happy with the location that you've been referred to, make sure you do your research. Honestly, I say this to everybody all the time. Do your research. And if you, when you get the answers, if you don't like the answers, question the answers as well. Because is that the only place that you can go? Is there somewhere else that you can go? Is there somewhere else that you think is going to be better? And this is where you have to talk to people as well about it. Listen to success stories. Where did you go to have yours? Where did you go to have yours? And I know it sounds crazy, like you're buying furniture or, or you're literally picking out a new pair of shoes. But 
I was really matter of fact about things because I knew what I wanted. I was going to become a mum. Scott was going to become a dad. Where can we go to so that we can get these results? And And that's exactly it. That's what you want, isn't it? So yeah, make sure that you push and push so that you can get to the places that you want to go to that you think is going to be the best place for you. It's your journey. And it's really important that it works out for you. Anyway, so we managed to get an appointment with the doctor who was going to be our primary consultant. Obviously, we then had to go through all the tests again. So it was sperm samples, blood tests. I said hello to the plastic dildo again with a condom on and lube. Um, And then, of course, um, another smear test. Oh, Women, we have to go through so much more testing than men. Honestly, all men have to do is do a sperm test. That's it. Then you have to wait for the results and then you're back in the clinic within three weeks again in front of the consultant to work out what's going to be the best option. And we're sat there and I'd already knew that I had low AMH, but I didn't realise how low it was. I think I was just above a one. I think above a four is a, a, a good uh, a, you know, a good result, but yeah, it wasn't happening for me. And then we sat there thinking, oh, it's just me, it's just me, because obviously, you know, when you find that you've got low MH, you start beating yourself up and feeling guilty and blaming myself. And whilst we sat there, we then found out Scott's sperm results were zero. Yeah, Scott had no sperm. And I think we just sat there in silence. With, I, I just remember looking at him and just saying to him, what are you doing? And he just, he couldn't believe it himself. And I just remember, oh, do you know, I could cry thinking about his face. Because at the time, Scott was training all the time, like in the gym. We had a gym in the garage and he was, he was, he's, he's got amazing genetics anyway, as you know, and it's crazy. I mean, this guy, my husband can eat like three packets of bloody Maltesers and not put on a pound. But he was always in the gym, always in the gym. And I'd kind of known that it wasn't 100% natural, but I didn't realise everything he was up to. And he'd been on steroids for a long time. Now, it was kind of like an on-off, on-off, on-off thing. And he will not mind me sharing this at all. He has nothing to hide. And I'll be honest with you, I am so fucking proud of my husband because it must have been shit that day. And after we found that out, we went and sat in the car for about an hour. And I remember him saying to me, "Um, Sally, I'm going to do everything I can to make us parents. He goes, you just watch me. And I said, okay, the first thing, you have to come off that shit. Whatever the fuck you are taking, you have to come off that shit. And and he did. And he did. And I'll be honest with you, at the time, like, I love my husband. Like, he's my best friend. We've been together for 14 years, okay? We really have been through the fucking mill. <laughs> but steroids ruins marriages big time. And at the time, he was a fucking asshole. Honestly, he was. He changed. I knew he changed. He wasn't the same person that I'd married. He couldn't see it. And on reflection now, even now, he's just like, what the fuck? And and the crazy thing is, Scott can, Scott's very smart. He owns his own business. He's about to start another business. You know, he's, how could somebody who's so fucking intelligent have gone down that route? And it's just, it's fucking mind-blowing on reflection. Mind-blowing. But I remember him saying to me, it, that, and, and do you know what? And I remember, because I'm not going to give him an ultimatum. He kind of knew it. Do you, do you know what I mean? It was like, it was one of those conversations that just didn't really need to be, I didn't need to say the words. 
I just need to give him a fucking look. And he said to me, uh, I will do everything. And we would advise to go back in three months and test his sperm again. But actually, we decided to leave it because three months is where your sperm regenerates. You see, this is it. So even though he'd fucked his sperm up and he had zero sperm, as long as he got, got off the shitty fucking steroids and as long as he started to really clean up his, oh, his diet was really clean anyway. I mean, I did all of his cooking for him and we eat really well in our house. But he had to get his sperm count back. And uh, do you know what? That was another kick in the fucking teeth for me because it's not like I wasn't doing anything to get low AMH. How the hell did I get low OMH? You know, it's not like I could suddenly clean my diet up and woo, there, boom, a shitload of eggs. But for a guy, it takes three months to regenerate new sperm. So we left it and left it for about six months. We went back in. We did a sample. I'm not joking. It was, I was petrified, absolutely petrified. It wasn't great, but they, they were back <laughs> and they were back in abundance. Thank fuck, he's so lucky. He was so lucky. And I remember we burst out of the car and just burst into tears. We were just crying our eyes out. But yeah, they were back. They were back in abundance. <laughs> our doctor listened to this. <laughs> and it is, it is emotional. But we do, we, <laughs> when you hear my IVF story, right, you'll just think we're a pair of weirdos. But we, we have had to really embrace laughter to get us through this. Okay. But we were sat with our doctor and, um, he said, he said to me, okay, he, he was, he's, he's like Greek Cypriot. He's really, he was really cool, like really cool, hell of a dude. And he said, uh, they're back. They're back and there's lots of them. But some of them are going the wrong way because they are thinking to themselves, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> and we, we just both burst out laughing. And we were like, okay, are they okay to use? And he said, yes, yes, it is all good. Right, we are going to go for it. And that's all I needed to hear. Right, we're going to go for it. But we went through something which is called ICSI. And that had to be explained to me. So we were going to go through IVF. I kind of knew a bit about IVF. I knew that they were going to take eggs from me, but I didn't understand what ICSI was. And ICSI is where they take the best sperm and they inject it directly into the egg. Okay, so IVF is where they release the sperm into the, like, I suppose it's like the science dish. Um, and therefore the sperm, the best sperm obviously gets in uh, and wins the day. But with ICSI, you take the best sperm and put it into the best egg. And that's where it gives you the best chances of, uh, of fertilization uh, and, uh, and creating an embryo. So on that day, um, we were, uh, I, honestly, I, I, remember, I remember this all so clearly. Um, we were told, right, that's it. We're going to go for it. And I said, right, what do we do next then? What do we do next? And it was like, right, we need to get you an appointment with one of the nurses to show you how to inject. <laughs> Which couldn't have been more fucking ironic. But on reflection now, um, I the amount of women that I talk to about steroids in their marriages and the amount of women who I have met whose marriages have fallen apart 
because of their partners using steroids, uh, the amount of um, n- not just through fertility, but through the fact that uh, steroids just brings a whole barrage of shit with it. And don't get me wrong, I have watched documentaries about the stuff. I have seen athletes on steroids. I've seen um, uh, the, the like military on steroids. I've seen everything. Honestly, I went and researched the shit out of it, like you would not have believed. And it is there is unfortunately there's a big void where it's it's we're kind of failing our young men and there used to just be so much pressure on women to look perfect to be body beautiful to to have that glossy look and that sexy body and all that bullshit that goes with it but actually there is more and more pressure on guys nowadays than ever and that's where the whole steroid thing comes in and it is you see these young lads at the gym nowadays and as soon as they get into the gym and they want to be big and they want to look like these guys on tv that have got all their tops off that are on all the fucking reality tv programs and all that bullshit that's when it's just a bit of a slippy slope. It could have destroyed our marriage, but actually it just made it so much stronger. And it was, I'll be honest with you, I find it very easy to walk away, which uh, I'm not saying that in a flippant manner, like, well, well, fucking screw you guys, I'm going home. (laughs) I, um, I was a radio presenter for 14 years, so I just used to move around from one place to the next, like the littlest hobo. Um, never bothered me in the slightest bit. So for me to pack a bag and fuck off, uh, that's easy. I can do that one. For me to stay, it was like, uh, I, I, he's my husband. I love him. I want to help him through it, um, which I did. And I love him more than ever. Um, and we have a little boy who <laughs> who couldn't look more like his daddy if he tried. So it is, you know, these, you know, on reflection, I'm so proud of us. I really am because what could have broken us actually built us. And that's why I'm telling this story. It's our story. But I just hope that it helps people to understand that you're not alone. You are honestly, you're not alone. You need to open up to more people. You'll know the right people to talk to 100%. But if there was two people who literally had zero chance of having a kid, it was Scott and I. He had no sperm. I had practically zero AMH. We were told we had a 2% chance. And look at us now. We have Roman, who's three. So we just, we knew what we wanted. We wanted to be together 100%. And we knew we had to make changes, uh, which we did. We work together as a fucking amazing team, but I'm not going to lie. Infertility can destroy your marriage, not just steroids. Steroids can fucking kill your marriage, believe me. But being infertile as well as a couple, it can tear you apart completely. And right now, if you've been going through your own journey, you'll probably be able to relate to that. Because at some point you get one of you is just desperate for it. And the other one's just like, oh, I'm not that bothered. And honestly, sometimes it's the woman who really pushes for it. But the guy will be like, yeah, well, you know, we've got a good life. We've got great holidays. And and sometimes it'll be the guy that's going, come on, let's go for it. And the woman's like, you know what, it's fucking exhausting. So it's it's just, it you know, it sways from both sides. But at the same time, it's you've both got to be in it to win it which makes it sound like a fucking game show and I don't mean it to sound like that at all but you really have to be holding each other's hands as tight as you possibly can to make it through and we were stuck together like glue at that point so it's um yeah it's the one thing that 
if sharing my story helps other people, well, that's exactly what I set out to do in this podcast is to break down these fucking stupid taboos of you can't talk about that in public. We have got nothing to be embarrassed about. We've got nothing to hide. We are so proud of what we've been through as a couple, because look at what we've just put to bed, but put to bed, kicking and screaming, like I would like to say in the other room (laughs) tonight, but fast asleep after giving his mummy a Mother's Day card. Woohoo! High five. Wait till part three, because honestly, you'll never believe what happened to me when I went for my first round of IVF and I had it. Well, I'll tell you now it failed, but you'll never guess who got pregnant the same week. (laughs) You just can't even make some of this shit up. I'm telling you, it's just crazy. Right, I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I truly hope that it is helping you if you are going through this journey at the moment or if you've been through it. I hope it helps you feel that you're not alone. And if you know somebody that is going through infertility, that has experienced some of the shit that I've talked about, then share this podcast. That's exactly what it's there for. I really appreciate you sharing it around because that's what I want to do is help as many women as I possibly can do. Like I keep saying, break down these taboos around infertility. Stop making it such a, such a, like a, I suppose like an embarrassing subject to talk about. There's nothing to be fucking embarrassed about. Nothing at all. The more we talk about it, the more people can get the results that they want. And that's what, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be a mum. Right, find me on social media. It's at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. I'm also on Facebook as well. And if you really are enjoying my podcast, give it a five star rating on Spotify. Or if you listen on Apple, you can give it a five star rating and write a a review. But make sure that you leave your at Instagram tag on the review as well, because then I can post it in my stories. And thank you um, for sharing some serious love. Right, have a fantastic week. If you've celebrated Mother's Day this weekend, happy Mother's Day, Milfies. Thank you so much for taking a listen to my podcast. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum, where there's a link to the podcast that you can share with all your friends. After all, sharing is caring, and you and I are best friends now.